Well, hello everyone. J.B. Hickson here with Not By Works Ministries and also Plum Creek Chapel. And it's time for our weekly Tuesday night prophecy night. And uh, if you're watching this video, you can probably tell from the background that I'm not actually at Plum Creek. And that's because inclement weather and a snowstorm has caused us to not have our in-person prophecy night as we usually do on Tuesday nights. Instead, I'm recording this video from my uh, home office and we're posting it so that everyone can uh, kind of keep up to speed with our series on The Time Is Now, Why Bible Prophecy Matters Now More Than Ever. So I apologize that we weren't able to meet in person. I sure always look forward to our Tuesday night sessions, but uh, at least we're going to continue with uh, the series by uh, video for tonight. So as I mentioned, we're uh, doing a, a series called The Time Is Now, Why Bible Prophecy Matters More Than Ever, and we're in the midst of a section on uh, how the stage is being set uh, prophetically. And uh, we've been talking about this now for the last uh, couple of weeks. We're going to get to other ways in which the stage is being set. Uh, as I mentioned, geopolitically, geologically, technologically, economically, all kinds of other uh, categories. But we're, we're kicking off the series by focusing in on uh, various world events that indicate uh, certain prophecies in Scripture may be getting close to their Fulfillment. So we talked about the granting of statehood to Israel, and that was one of the biggest ways, if not the biggest, that the stage is being set uh, prophetically. And then we talked about the Battle of Gog and Magog. And then in week two, last week, we looked at the rise of the Antichrist and false prophet. We spent the entire time talking about that. And if you have not uh, yet watched or listened to the first two sessions in this series, they are available uh, for you to watch anytime at notbyworks.org. You can just click on the videos tab and then on the submenu you'll see Prophecy Night and that's where the videos are. The podcasts or audio only versions are available uh, wherever you listen to, uh, to podcasts. Uh, but uh, uh, tonight we're going to move to the next uh, sort of subcategory here under setting the stage prophetically and that is the depopulation movement. Now I have lots to say about that. And so I've got a lot of ground to cover, uh, but I'll try to fit it all within the hour uh, that we normally allot for uh, this uh, sessions on Tuesday night. But uh, the depopulation movement is something that few people are really acutely aware of, though more and more people are beginning to kind of clue into it. But I have a whole chapter on that in, in Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 2, uh, where we talk about this idea of depopulation. And I think there's even some uh, discussion of it in Volume one. But tonight I want to sort of introduce the topic by looking at some scripture as we always do. And we're basically going to make the case that the Bible predicts the closer we get uh, to the tribulation time. And remember, of course, the rapture happens before the tribulation. So if we see the stage being set for prophecies that take place during the tribulation, that must necessarily mean that the rapture is getting even uh, closer. Uh, but we're going to look at several scriptures that uh, talk about this idea of a massive global depopulation effort being headed up by ultimately Satan, but of course by his uh, minion, uh, the Antichrist, whom he will indwell during that uh, seven-year period. So during the tribulation, the Antichrist is going to set out to kill as many people as possible. In fact, uh, as we uh, read through the events during the tribulation as described in Revelation and elsewhere, we see a drastic reduction in the worldwide population by the end of the seven years. And so I did a little calculating here, and I've, I've done this before, but I always kind of come at it a little bit differently just to keep it 
fresh and make sure my numbers are uh, correct. But let's let's say for the sake of argument that there are seven and a half billion people on the earth today. I, I don't know the exact number. I don't know that anybody knows the exact number, but official statistics uh, often quote 7.5, maybe 8 billion people on the earth. Uh, but let's just use the number 7.5 billion to start with. So let's assume that's how many people are on the earth. And let's also assume, and this is a huge assumption, I understand that, but I'm just trying to put some numbers in here to do some calculations. But let's assume that 2 billion of those 7.5 billion are Christians today. Some of you may think, way, that's way too high. Wait a minute, there's, there's not that many Christians. Uh, some of you may think, no, no, there's more than that. Keep in mind that 2 billion Christians would be, you know, only 20 to 30 percent of the total population. So, uh, I, I don't know. That's just a, a gut sense. It maybe 10% of the world is Christian. I, I don't know. Truly born again, having placed their faith in Christ. But for the sake of these calculations, we're going to say 2 billion. So that means after the rapture, at the start of the tribulation, there are 5.5 billion people on the earth. And then if we do nothing but look at the biblical data of what happens you know, over the seven-year period, we find out, first of all, with the fourth seal judgment, a quarter of the earth's population dies. So that means we're left with 4.1 billion people on the earth. And by the way, that only takes into account those people who die as a direct result of the fourth seal judgment that uh, Revelation chapter 6 talks about. These numbers that I'm putting on the screen and talking about do not reflect all of the deaths that will occur just through the devastation and other things that are happening uh, on the earth, the, the, the wars, the rumors of wars, the earthquakes, all of those types of things. But let's just stick with the, the numbers that the Bible specifically spells out. And that tells us that uh, after the fourth seal, by the time you get to the fourth seal judgment, and I believe the seal judgments all take place in the first half of the tribulation, uh, those scholars you know, take different views on that. I, I make the case in my book, What Lies Ahead, that, uh, that, that they take place in the first half. Um, by the time you get to the fourth seal, you've only got 4.1 billion people on the earth. Well, then when you get to the trumpet judgments, uh, starting in uh, Revelation chapter 8, uh, which I take uh, take it occur after the midpoint of the tribulation. So now we're in the second half of the tribulation, the seven-year tribulation. The sixth trumpet tells us that one-third additional people, one-third of the additional people on earth die. So now we've gone from 4.1 billion to 2.8 billion by the time you get you know closer to the end of the seven-year tribulation. And again, those numbers do not account for all of the naturally occurring deaths, the occurring deaths that are collateral damage from a number of the other um, cataclysmic events that are taking place in this final seven-year you know, battle between God and Satan. I mean, there's all kinds of things taking place during this time. There's beheadings. There are you know, Christians that are martyred for the faith. Revelation 7 talks about people from every nation, tribe, tongue, and language that are martyred because of their faith during the tribulation. But again, just using... The, the, the numbers that are given to us in the book of Revelation from uh, and making some assumptions here, assuming two billion Christians are raptured, um, which that's the biggest assumption. But based on two billion Christians being raptured, by the time you get to the end of the tribulation, you know, 64% of the people on earth are gone, either through the rapture, through direct deaths that the judgments in Revelation talk about. And again, that doesn't even come close to taking into account all of the other collateral damage. It's probably more like 1 billion people left on earth by the time you get to the return of Christ at the end of the seven years. So the Antichrist 
without question, is certainly trying to reduce the world's population. We know that the judgments of the of the Lord, the divine judgments of the day of the Lord's wrath in that tribulation period, will also result in a re reduction of population. But the point is, all of this talk about reducing the world's population is, you know, you know, reminiscent of the biblical prophecies uh, that will come to pass. And so, uh, you know, the Bible tells us, I think I quoted this last week, that all those who hate God love death. And the Luciferians, those that are conspiring with Satan to try to usher in the one world system, absolutely hate God and they absolutely love death. Jesus tells us the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and to destroy. That's what Satan is doing. He is death. Christ is life. Christ says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And Satan has been trying to kill, you know, from the beginning. Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil. And the, speaking here to the unbelieving first century Jewish uh, leaders, those co-conspirators with Satan to try to kill the Messiah, he said, you're of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. And notice what he says. He was a murderer from the beginning. Well, how do we know that? Well, we know that because God specifically told Adam and even Genesis 2, 17, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Fast forward to the serpent's discussion with Eve. He said, quote, you will not surely die. So Satan, in his great deception, and remember, you know, Jesus also goes on to say in that same passage where he calls Satan a murderer, he says he's also a liar. He doesn't stand in the truth. He's a liar and the father of lies. And so, of course, Satan's first big lie is going to be to contradict God and tell Adam and Eve, look, you can eat of this forbidden fruit and you won't die because he wants them to die. So if you want someone to die... You're not going to warn them about the dangers of sin. You're going to encourage them to sin, and the wages of sin is death. And then, you know, throughout his entire regime, ever since being kicked out of heaven for 6,000 years now, Satan has been promoting death and trying ultimately to kill God and, 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 the, and the Christ and take over this world for himself. That's why at the time of Christ's uh, first incarnation, his incarnation, his, his birth, his first advent, Remember, uh, we read in Matthew 2.13 uh, that uh, the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Arise, take the young child, that's Christ, and his mother, Mary, and flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. You know, even then Satan was trying to kill uh, the Christ child. Peter tells us that we should be sober and vigilant because our adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That's what Satan does. In the book of Revelation, during the tribulation, he is referred to in Hebrew as Abaddon, meaning destruction, and in Greek as Apollyon, meaning destroyer. Satan is a killer. So it should not surprise us in the least that his earthly accomplices, the, the Luciferian elite on earth, are doing everything they can to kill. To kill. And so I want to just give you some uh, background here and some uh, you know anecdotal evidence that indicates that the stage is being set prophetically because of the obsession that the elites have with killing people that they don't like and it all of course uh, uh, the the biggest you know example of this all goes back to Hitler and World War II and the eugenics movement we're going to talk more about eugenics in just a moment but uh, you know Hitler was just simply a social Darwinist you know. 
uh, Darwin, uh, you know, who wrote uh, Origin of the Species by Means of Natural Selection. Notice the subtitle, The Preservation of the Favored Races in the Struggle for Life. That's what Darwin was promoting. He wanted to kill the useless breathers or those that were, you know, in his mind, the feeble-minded, as they called them. And so, you know, here we have uh, Darwin uh, setting the stage with his philosophy, and here we have Hitler, whose hero was Darwin, uh, coming along a generation later and living it out. He was just living out the Darwinian ethic. Why do you think the Rockefeller Foundation and the Carnegie Foundation and others demanded that evolution be taught to every child in America when they launched their compulsory government schooling program in 1918? Well, because they want to promote death. They want to make uh, young children recognize or think anyway that they are simply useless breathers. They're no different from plants or animals or trees or rocks, and that if they get in the way, they ought to be just chopped down and destroyed. Uh, And 30 years later, by the way, when uh, all those Nazi eugenicists came over to the U.S. in Operation Paperclip, uh, you know, do you think they changed their worldview? Uh, Why do you think we brought them over here? It was because the Luciferians that are pulling the strings of power in the United States wanted to advance this eugenics, this love of death mindset. Darwin, by the way, we're familiar with the origin of the species, although many people are not familiar with the subtitle of his book, The Preservation of the Favored Races, but most people are familiar with it. But what they don't recognize is he also wrote The Descent of Man, published in 1871, And he wrote in that book, most people are evolutionary dead ends, only a small elite is actually evolving, and everyone else just gets in the way. So, of course, the Luciferians that are uh, conspiring with Satan to usher in a one-world system politically, economically, and religiously are going to love the Nazi uh, (coughs) worldview and mindset, and they're going to do everything they can to bring that worldview over to America, which they see as standing in the way of their agenda and uh, try to use it as just one more weapon to try to bring down America, the advancement of a eugenics mindset. That's what Operation Paperclip, by the way, was all about. The U.S. was racing against the Soviet Union to attain as many Nazi scientists as possible, and uh, they paid the Nazi scientists to work for the government, providing them with immunity from prosecution for their uh, offenses following World War II. And this immunity, of course, allowed them to escape execution. Um, the government offered to care for the scientists' families if they would agree to work for them. And eventually, uh, through 1990, uh, up to 1,600 Nazis on record uh, were brought to, uh, you know, to the uh, <coughs> United States. And so, uh, you know, many of them went to work for uh, the U.S. Army or for NASA. Uh, Many of them got extremely uh, high-paying jobs with commercial companies like GE and Bell Laboratories. Uh, They went over to to Birmingham, Alabama, where a lot of them settled. Many Nazis were so well-known that Alan Dulles flew them to Argentina instead of the U.S. because it would have caused an even greater outcry. That's where Hitler went, by the way. I alluded to that uh, last week. Do the research on that one. He lived out his days and died at a ripe old age in Argentina. But, uh, you know, here we have, for example... Uh, Nazi Major General Walter Dornberger, who was taken captive in April of 1945, he oversaw the creation and manufacturing of the V-2 guided missile, which killed over 5,000 British civilians during World War II. 
And, uh, you know, what do you do with war criminals like that? Well, you bring them over to the U.S. and make them the CEO of Bell Laboratories and a multi-millionaire. And then, obviously, you know, you've got the Fuhrer himself. Uh, he once said to Dornberger on July 8th, 1944, quote, I have had to apologize only to two men in my whole life. The first was Field Marshal von Brauswitch, uh, Braustich, sorry. And secondly, I did not because I did not listen to him when he told me again and again how important your research was. He's talking here to Dornberger, whom you see on the left. But he says, the second man I've had to apologize in my life to is yourself. He said, I never believed that your work would be successful. So here's Adolf Hitler apologizing to Major General uh, Dornberger. And so what do you do with a guy who is flattered and complimented by Adolf Hitler himself? You bring him over to the U.S., and you make him, uh, you know, put him on top of a, a, a big company like Bell Laboratories, give him a cush salary, take care of his family and give him a mansion. That's what we do. Uh, of course, uh, many people know Warner Von Braun, who was completely rehabilitated in his image, even before the age of the Internet, when the Internet can bring down people in an instant and it can also build up people in an instant because perception is reality and nobody takes the time to look at the facts of the matter anymore. Uh, but uh, he was a hero. So what do you do with Nazi war criminals? Well, you put them on the cover of Time magazine, uh, like you see here, February 17th, 1958, and you celebrate them. So Operation Paperclip, uh, as has been pointed out, the Nazis didn't really lose the war. They just moved uh, to America. And this, again, is a be the beginnings of what we are now seeing blatantly through groups like the World Economic Forum and some of these other quotes that I'm going to give you in a moment as key world leaders, uh, famous uh, celebrities, uh, business leaders, uh, politicians all echo the same theme of we've got to kill more people. Uh, Georgia Guidestones is an interesting uh, monument that was erected in Elbert County, Georgia, outside of Atlanta there in 1980. I've actually been there and visited it before it was uh, destroyed. Um, by the way, it was destroyed uh, in uh, last year and in, in the summer, July 6th, at least that's what this article is, but I remember it was in the news. Uh, uh, but uh, the Georgia Guidestones is, is uh, a set of 10 guidelines that are inscribed in eight modern languages and then a shorter message uh, that is inscribed at the top of the structure in four ancient language scripts. It stands about 750 feet above sea level. And again, it's about 90 miles east of Atlanta. But one slab stands in the center with four arranged around it. As I said, we've been there, taken pictures of it, toured it. Uh, it's actually pretty unassuming. It's out in the middle of a guy's farmland. Nobody really knows who financed it. A lot of people think it was the Rosicrucians, who I talk about in my chapter on secret societies and Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 2. Um, but uh, we don't really know for sure. Ted Turner was a longtime suspect. He's a big-time death-loving eugenicist, and so a lot of people, uh, since he's in Atlanta, thought that he might have been the one that financed it. But uh, the truth is nobody, you know, at least the public doesn't know. Somebody knows, but, but uh, the, you know, most of us don't have any idea who did it. But whoever it was, was advancing the Luciferian agenda of depopulation. Uh, it's, uh, the, they got the Ten Commandments of the Luciferians on there. And the very first one, again, it's listed in eight different languages. The very first one is, quote, maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. The second Ten Commandment, guide reproduction wisely. Uh, the you know there's several others here. here. Uh, let all nations number six. Let all nations 
rule internally resolving external conflict disputes in a world court. So they have the one world government that they're espousing. Um, you know, the number 10 on the Ten Commandments here of the Luciferians inscribed on these guidestones, be not a cancer on the earth, leave room for nature, leave room for nature. It actually uh, repeats that. As I said, these were destroyed, they were vandalized and then eventually destroyed and taken down. Uh, but this is uh, whatever else it may be, and it's certainly interesting, uh, it is an accurate representation of what we read in the writings of the Luciferians about their plan for depopulating the earth. Recently, the World Economic Forum and the UN have gotten into the propaganda uh, business here with this uh, depopulation effort. It goes, uh, you know, actually, it's, it's the idea that the UN wants to kill people is nothing new. That goes back to 1992 and the Rio conference, and frankly, even before that, coming out of World War II. Uh, but uh, they've really ratcheted it up with some propaganda pieces. Here's one uh, where the gods of the universe... Uh, a doctor, uh, you can tell by the you know the little stethoscope or whatever it is on his forehead here, the orange planet there, is diagnosing the Earth's problem. The Earth has a problem, and he needs the 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 gods of the universe to to just diagnose it. Well, what is your problem, uh, Earth? What why are you so sick? And the doctor says to the Earth, Well, I'm afraid you have humans, as if humans are some type of deadly, fatal disease. Here's another one, same idea, another propaganda piece put out by the UN. You have humans, this this doctor says to the earth. You're going to have to take a daily capsule of tsunami and two tablets of eight degrees earthquake, all under a strict regimen of drought. And by the way, if you don't think, and we're going to get into this down the road in this Tuesday night prophecy night when I talk about setting the stage geologically uh, with you know things like earthquakes and geoengineering, but if you don't think the Luciferians that are pulling the strings are the ones behind the droughts, the floods, the fires, all of the natural disasters, then you are uh, naive. Um, but anyway, that this is them kind of telegraphing what they're doing, which is they need to punish the earth by getting rid of its humans. That's the issue. We, there are too many humans. Here's a child that submitted a piece of artwork uh, that, that was simply mimicking what he or she is being taught in the schools. Well, I'm sure you must have humans, you know, Earth, because uh, that's why you're so sick, right? Last week, I introduced Yuval Noah Harari. I, I say introduced, I mean brought him up for the first time in this series. I think most of our listeners uh, understand uh, who you, Yuval Noah Harari is and how, what an evil, despicable human being uh, he is. He's the one, as I mentioned last week, that says humans are now hackable animals. He said God is dead. It's just taking a while to bury the body. He, he's said multiple times that he wants to upgrade humans into gods, and he's uh, helping the World Economic Forum try to re-engineer life. He's basically Klaus Schwab's right-hand man, and, and he's, he says the whole idea that humans have a soul and free will is over. We finally moved beyond it. But these are some of the quotes. I think I might have given these last week, although I didn't put them on the screen, but they're relevant to our notion of the depopulation agenda. Uh, as you see on the screen here, Yuval Noah Harari said on August 16th, 2022, so less than a year ago, quote, the future is about developing more and more sophisticated technology like artificial intelligence and bioengineering. Watch this. Most people don't contribute anything to that. Just let that sink in for a moment. This future is all about technology and AI and bioengineering, and most people don't contribute anything to that. And then he, and then he even twists the knife after sticking it in and he says well except perhaps for their data and whatever people are still doing which is useful 
these technologies increasingly will make redundant and will make it possible to replace people. In other words, almost everything we're doing is can be done by technology, so we don't need you anymore, except as lab rats to maybe gather data from you and use in the experiments, you know, like rolling out massive gene-altering bioengineering, you know, bio uh, weapons that we force people to take or lose their job, and then we wonder why we've got all these sudden deaths and in the in the hundreds of thousands, according to Vera's system. Um, so he wants to replace people. That's quite simple. Uh, and then uh, just a few years before that, in a article that he wrote called The Rise of the Useless Class. So he's been saying this since long before COVID. This was back in 2017. Uh, Harari said, quote, 99% of human qualities and abilities are simply redundant for the performance of most modern jobs. So you are redundant. You are a useless breather. You are, you are feeble-minded. Other than serving as a lab rat, you have no purpose on this earth. And uh, of course, God's Word, as we're going to look at again here when we wrap up at the end of this tonight's session, uh, says otherwise. God's Word says we are made in the image of God and that we have inherent value. And, and, and God sanctions, you know, champions the sanctity of life because we are the crown jewel of creation. But the Luciferians hate life and they love death. So uh, here's a secret meeting way back in 2009. This actually got some coverage after the story leaked out on mainstream news, like, for example, the Wall Street Journal covered it, saying that billionaires are trying to shrink the world's population. Again, this was May of 2009. But if you look at who attended this secret meeting, uh, and, go, and by the way, Good Morning America covered this as well, uh, you've got uh, from left to right Bill Gates, Ted Turner, George Soros, David Rockefeller, Michael Bloomberg, Oprah Winfrey, and Warren Buffett. In other words, a who's who of Satan-worshipping elites that are trying to take over the world. And so uh, the, the uh, meeting was held at the personal residence of the president of Rockefeller University at the time. This is a Sir Paul Nurse is his name, and he was the president of Rockefeller University from 2003 to 2011. So at the time, he was their president, and he hosted the meeting. The invitations that were sent out to these uh, attendees that I just showed on the screen uh, were co-written by Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, and David Rockefeller, three of the wealthiest people on the in, in the world at the time. David Rockefeller uh, died, I think it was 2017, so he's uh, since passed on at the age of 101, but at the time, he was still kicking. And so uh, the purpose of the meeting, according to the invitation that was leaked out, was to consider how people, how these wealthy elites could use their wealth to be, to slow the growth of the world's population. <laughs> That's what they want to do. They want to get rid of people. So they see uh, God as the life giver. And by the way, God not only breathed life into mankind and created life ex nihilo, out of nothing, but he also is the only one that can give life to us now that we've been dead in our trespasses and sins. Uh, he is the life giver. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. The only way you can get to heaven is to be born again because you're dead spiritually. Ephesians 2, 1 says we've all been born dead in our trespasses and sins. And so only the life creator can be the life giver. And he gives that life freely to all who will simply trust him and him alone for it. It's by faith alone in Christ alone. It's not by works of righteousness, which we've done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. And that is the 
the real passion that we have here at Not By Works is to get the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message out there. So, you know, it, it should, we should understand that this, this depopulation agenda and the manner in which the stage is being set prophetically because of the depopulation agenda uh, is a, really a, a, a picture of the ultimate contrast between God who, gives, who brings life, creates life, and gives life, and Satan who brought death, brought death, promotes death, and kills. He's a killer. He's a murderer. And uh, so, of course, that being the case, his earthly co-conspirators, his earthly accomplices, are going to promote death. That's why you've got Bill Gates uh, in a very uh, puzzling and bizarre TED Talk that to this day he has never recounted, uh, recanted rather. He said, quote, if we do a really good job with vaccines we could lower the population growth by as much as 10 to 15%. Some of you have seen that TED Talk. He's charting it out on a chart, and, and he just basically says, hey, we need vaccines because we need to kill more people, and we can lower the population growth by 10 to 15%. Well, that makes no sense because the official narrative, even from the Luciferian-controlled big pharma companies, is that, oh, you've got to vaccinate your kid by poisoning them with you know all of these uh, foreign substances, 40 to 60 injections by the time they start high school so that they will live. They'll be healthy and they won't die from the boogeyman. You got you to gotta give them vaccines to help them live. But here, Bill Gates is on record saying, no, no, vaccines aren't to help keep children alive. It's to kill people. Uh, back during the pandemic, a consortium backed by George Soros and Bill Gates joined uh, a buyout of MoLogic, a COVID-19 testing company. Now, that's not concerning at all that at a time when most of the world was insisting that people stick a Q-tip up their nose and be, quote, tested for uh, COVID-19, which they rolled out, uh, you know, the, the people that promote death, that had a secret meeting to try to figure out how they can kill more people, buy the very company that owns these testing kits. I mean, that's, uh, that's of quite alarming. And of course, many doctors and scientists and virologists and surgeons and pediatricians, and by the way, many researchers, uh, and, and myself included, were sounding the alarm about the PCR tests and how dangerous it was and how you should never take it uh, long before it eventually became public knowledge. And, uh, and sure enough, in the summer of 2021, well into uh, the pandemic, the CDC finally came out on record and said, nope, uh, the, the uh, PCR test cannot distinguish between COVID and the flu. Here's the Fox News article covering that. Uh, and then you go to the CDC website uh, dated Ju July 21st, 2021. Here's a screenshot of it. And as of July 21st, 2021, the CDC on their own website says, quote, after December 31st, by the end of the year, 2021, the CDC will withdraw the request for the FDA's emergency youth author authorization of the PCR test. So, uh, and by the way, those are still out there. Amazingly, even after truth tellers and whistleblowers were sounding the alarm for a full year in advance, and even after the CDC itself admits that they're absolutely useless for detecting COVID, people still use them. It is amazing. As, as I've quoted many times, Mark Twain said, it's easier to fool people than to convince them they've been fooled. So the stage is being set prophetically by the depopulation agenda. Let me give you some more anecdotes here. I, I shared some of these uh, recently in a message I gave at Plum Creek Chapel in the Denver area on uh, the sanctity of life, 
Life is Sacred was the name of that message. By the way, I encourage you to go back and check that message out uh, if you care about uh, the unborn. Um, it, it'll really, uh, I think, give you a good biblical overview of the doctrine of the sanctity of life. Uh, but I've added a few more here this time in preparation for uh, tonight's message. But these are just quotes from either leading politicians, policymakers, decision makers, businessmen and women, entertainers, celebrities, that all kind of trumpet the same theme about depopulation. For example, Bill Maher, who's now become the darling of Fox News, and many, uh, sadly many Christian conservatives are jumping on his bandwagon. Well, just, just know whose bandwagon you're jumping on, because Bill Maher said, quote, I'm pro-choice. I'm for assisted suicide. I'm for regular suicide. I'm for whatever gets the freeway moving. That's what I'm for. It's too crowded. The planet is too crowded, and we need to promote death, end quote. That's Bill Maher. Of course, most conservatives know the name John P. Holder, and he was Barack Obama's primary science advisor, and he set a program of sterilizing women after their second or third child, despite the relatively greater difficulty of that operation than a vasectomy, he adds, might be easier to implement than trying to sterilize men. He said, quote, the development of a long-term sterilizing capsule that could be implanted under the skin and removed when pregnancy is desired, that is, by the government, by the Luciferian elites pulling the strings, when pregnancy is desired, then it opens up additional possibilities for coercive fertility control. Look, they're coming right out and saying it. They want to coercively control the population. Um, he says this sterilizing capsule implanted under the skin could be implanted at puberty and might be removable with official permission for a limited number of births. Now, when these guys write about this and, and, and do, you know, mention it in peer-reviewed journals and sell books in academia about it, you need to understand these are not just words on a PowerPoint slide. These, are, these represent their worldview. And the closer we get to the return of Christ and the closer we get uh, to the rapture and, and the tribulation that follows it, the more of these kinds of people are going to gain positions of power. That's what uh, you know, this takeover is all about. They are using the Hegelian dialectic, problem-reaction-solution uh, crises to justify uh, this massive power grab and taking away of our freedoms and putting people in positions of power, like Justin Trudeau, for example, uh, a longtime elite, uh, you know, from a long history of elites, um, so that they can then implement these kinds of worldviews. So if the Lord tarries is coming, don't be surprised if in our lifetime uh, they're going to try to roll out some type of sterilizing capsule and force you know you to put it in your child. Which you know, not to sound too conspiratorial, but then again, I am a conspiracy theorist. I believe in all of the conspiracies that are true. The ones that are not true, I don't believe in them. And there are true conspiracies and there are false conspiracies. But uh, you know, that's one of the reasons why you should never allow a doctor to immunize uh, children. Be not only because the immunizations themselves are dangerous, is that you never really know what they're putting in there. Uh, but here's the Margaret Sanger. Everybody knows Margaret Sanger is the founder of Planned Parenthood. And she said, quote, all our problems are the result of overbreeding among the working class. Now listen to this. She said, quote, the most merciful thing that the large family does to one of its infant members is to kill it. Yeah, that's Planned Parenthood. Uh, Paul Ehrlich uh, is an American biologist 
Uh, he uh, is uh, best known for his 1968 book, very controversial, called The Population Bomb, in which he issued all kinds of warnings about the consequences of population growth. Uh, he was a science advisor to President George W. Bush, by the way. Uh, anyway, he says, quote, nobody, in my view, has the right to have 12 children or even three unless the second pregnancy is twins. Ted Turner, whom I mentioned a moment ago, said, quote, a total world population of 250 to 300 million people, a 95 percent decline from present levels would be ideal. See, that goes back to the Georgia Guidestones, where they talk about no more than 500 million people because they need the, the useless class, as Harari called us, the useless class, uh, around for certain mundane jobs, you know, to sweep the floors, vacuum the carpets, uh, those types of things, chauffeur them around. Or as I've mentioned uh, in my book, The Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 2, they also need a whole group of people to be able to climb atop the altars and be sacrifices to Satan. But uh, so here's Ted Turner saying the same thing. You know, we need the population down to 300 million. A Detroit News columnist Nolan fin Finley famously wrote, quote, since the national attention is on birth control, here's my idea. If we want to fight poverty, reduce violent crime, and bring down our embarrassing dropout rate, we should swap contraceptives for fluoride in Michigan's drinking water. In other words, they want to control the world's population, and they will stop at nothing to do it. By the way, if you think this is far-fetched and just the ravings of a columnist, in San Francisco years ago, the city council actually voted to secretly put uh, uh, anti, uh, not antidepressants, but uh, sort of tranquilizing drugs in their municipal city water supply because they said people there were just getting too rowdy, too crazy. We need to calm down the populace. So how do we do it? Well, we'll just drug them without them knowing it. Of course, that's what MKUltra was all about when the CIA rolled that program out and secretly drugged not only military men and women, but uh, unsuspecting people on the streets of the cities where they rolled that program out. I have a whole chapter on MK Ultra in Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 1. Anita Fedorov was a key advisor to Hillary Clinton. Again, I, I'm, the reason I'm continuing to show these quotes is just to show you that the stage is being set prophetically by the rise of the depopulation movement. And she said, Nina Fedorov said, quote, we need to continue to decrease the growth rate of the global population. The planet can't support many more people. Uh, Sierra Club uh, first executive director, David Brower. Sierra Club is another one of those, you know, Luciferian think tanks that most people have no idea what it's all about. It's simply an agenda driven and, an, and a propaganda machine that, that promotes their agenda to the general public. But David Brower of the Sierra Club said childbearing should be a punishable crime against society unless the parents hold a government license. All potential parents should be required to use contraceptive chemicals, the government issuing antidotes to citizens chosen for childbearing. I mean, I don't know what more evidence people need to see that these are not good guys and that there is a very real Luciferian conspiracy seeking to take over the world, and they mean business. Jacques Cousteau, of course, famously said, we got to eliminate 350,000 people per day. Jacques Cousteau, another Luciferian elite. Henry Kissinger, uh, I think I quoted this uh, recently in a podcast, uh, just, you know, extemporaneously. Uh, but uh, Henry Kissinger said, and this is in my book as well, that, quote, depopulation should be the highest priority of foreign policy towards the third world. Now, why would he say 
specifically in the third world, we need to work at killing those, those less advantaged people in the third world. Well, he goes on because, quote, the U.S. economy will require large and increasing amounts of minerals from abroad, especially from less developed countries. And of course, it's easier to go in imperialistically and take all of those resources if you've depopulated the region first. Uh, Prince Philip, who died in 2021, uh, he said, of course, of course, in the event that I am reincarnated, I would like to return as a deadly virus in order to contribute something to solve over a population. So, you know, a lot of people have no idea that according to the Department of Health and Human Services in the United States, a cabinet level position, we actually have functioning today with your tax dollars, uh, an Office of Population Affairs. And I, I've screenshotted this from the hhs.gov website. And I wonder why, why does the U.S. need an Office of Population Affairs? Well, Thomas Ferguson, uh, a former official in the U.S. State Department uh, Office of Population Affairs, says this, uh, there is a single theme behind all our work. We must reduce population levels. Once population is out of control, it requires authoritarian government, even fascism, to reduce it. The Office of Population Control, that, that is from an American civil servant, a government-paid officer who, who's put in charge of this Office of Population Affairs. Again, here's the OPA website. Um, and if you zoom in there, you can see the OPA, their purpose statement on their website, the OPA, Office of Population Affairs, advises the Secretary and the Assistant Secretary for Health on a wide range of reproductive and adolescent health topics, including teen pregnancy prevention, family planning, and sterilization, as well as other population issues. So, uh, you know, this is something that's just in your face for those who take the time uh, to look at it. Um, I thought this was interesting. I decided to bring this in. I've talked about it a couple of years ago during the height of the pandemic, but it's been a while. And that is the the uh, genetics wheel, or what's often called the codon wheel, an amino acid and codon wheel. It's a useful tool to find which amino acid is uh, translated from your RNA sequence. So geneticists use this. It's, it's just like an, a calculator would be to a mathematician. Uh, but uh, what's interesting is the, the symbol for this genetics wheel is what the UN has adopted with Agenda 2030. And, uh, you know, in, in Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 2, I talk about Davos men and Davos women. I think I talked about that in the first session of these uh, Prophecy Nights that we're going through now on Tuesday nights. But these Davos men and Davos women coming out of, uh, you know, the World Economic Forum, which is, you know, hand in glove with the UN and Agenda 2030, uh, they all seem to be promoting this symbolism. Uh, it's this globalism pin that appears to be based on the genetics wheel. And of course, the genetics uh, agenda, as Yuval Noah Harari has talked about at length, and as I get into in the transhumanism chapter of Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 2, is all about messing with the human genome. But notice what, what we find. You know, we've got Boris Johnson, the former prime minister of the UK, there wearing this pin. We've got, uh, uh, you know, the director general of the World Health Organization there in the top right, uh, a guy, by the way, who has no medical license, has never spent one day as a doctor, but he's in charge of the World Health Organization because at the World Health Organization and the World Economic Forum, it's not about health. It's about death. Um, Bill Gates, there you see him wearing the pin. There's a French president, Emmanuel Macron, wearing the pin. You find it everywhere. And again, it mimics this uh, codon wheel, this genetic 
uh, tool that geneticists use. Another data point that indicates to me the stage is being set prophetically with regard to depopulation is the enigmatic Daigle.com. Um, this has been often cited. Uh, nobody really knows the source behind Daigle.com. Um, the uh, James Corbett did a, a pretty good documentary on it really accurately because there's several false ones out there. Some people misspell it. There's mimicking websites out there, but but still, it's a military website, and uh, it was interesting that in uh, by 2025, Deagle predicted that the U.S. population would be reduced from 327 million to 100 million. If you kind of zoom in there, you know, well, you, it begs the question, what do they know that we don't? And there's that year 2025 again. In my chapter on the Luciferian timeline uh, or timetable, uh, I have a whole section on the Roaring Twenties where I give all kinds of anecdotal evidence going back 100 years that indicates the Luciferians have been pointing towards 2025 as kind of the end game to usher in their system. And boy, we see all kinds of things happening right now, uh, you know, in, in the world that are puzzling. You know, um, you know, my uh, book came out in October. So what's that? November, December, maybe four months it's been out. And in the book, I talked about the rise of phenomena and paranormal. And what do we have happening? Well, just in the last week, we've got some unidentified flying objects, that's the way the news media is reporting them, that are appearing in various parts of the United States and Canada, and the military is shooting them down. Uh, a little bit scary that they're shooting down something they don't know what it is. But uh, anyway, uh, you know, what, what are they setting the stage for? What are they, you know, programming us for? Uh, what, what's really going on? Uh, so just so many things seem to be uh, setting the stage. But I want to close out our time together tonight with the good news. And that is, as much as the Luciferians love death, God hates death. And the Bible tells us the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. And you get to Revelation chapter 20, after the tribulation, you know, uh, after the uh, millennial phase of the kingdom, death and Hades are cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And then in the new heavens and the new earth, in Revelation 21, and 22, we see that God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death. So what do we do with this information? Uh, you know, as we talk about why Bible prophecy matters now more than ever, we need to remember that God values life and we should value life. And we need to do all that we can to promote life, to defend life, to save our own lives, to prepare, because the powers that be would love nothing more than for us to stick our head in the sand, ignore what's happening right before our very eyes, and be sitting ducks when the trains come along to take us uh, to the internment camps. And so uh, we want to be prepared and fight as long as we can fight. Uh, we we want to you know, do what Proverbs 22.3 says, when we see trouble coming, prepare for it. And we want to stand firm and speak out. And we want to promote life, not only physical life, which is valuable before God, but spiritual life. And the time is urgent. We need to remind people that there's only one way to be born again, and that's by faith alone in Christ alone. And we need to share that gospel. We need to remind our unbelieving friends that, you know, things are not always going to be this way. It's getting worse. And you, you don't want to put off the most important decision uh, in your life. 
You know, as I've said many times, if you're born only once, you're going to have to die twice. You'll die physically, and ultimately you'll experience the second death that the Bible talks about, which is eternally, eternity in a literal place of torment called hell, if you've not received Christ. So if you've, if you've only been born once, you're going to have to die twice, once physically, once eternally. But if you're born twice, if you're born twice, once physically and then once born again of the Spirit by faith alone in Christ alone, then you only have to die once. And that is physical death, which has no power over us. For the believer, physical death is the golden key that unlocks the riches of eternity. It's simply an instantaneous uh, transfer from this old sin-stricken world into the presence of God our uh, Savior in the arms of Jesus. So if you're born only once, you'll have to die twice. But if you're born twice, as Jesus told Nicodemus, born from above, born again, then the second death has no power over you. So I hope, uh, you know, this was uh, just helpful to you. I know it's a lot of depressing stuff as we see the stage being set, but never forget, the more we see the stage being set, it simply reminds us that prophecy is going to be fulfilled and God wins in the end. So knowledge is important and it's important to study these things. I want to mention a couple of announcements before I wrap up for tonight. Don't forget that uh, I'll be leaving, actually, uh, by the time you watch this video, uh, we will already be on the road headed to uh, Florida. We've got two conferences upcoming, and because of the snowstorm that's supposed to drop nearly a foot of snow where we live in the mountains, uh, we have to we had to cut out a little earlier. We, weren't, we were going to get caught and wouldn't even be able to get out. So uh, by the time you watch this video, we will be en route with my family uh, and I pulling a trailer headed to Claremont, Florida at a Liberty Baptist Church where I will be speaking seven times over the weekend on the subject of what is this world coming to, an overview of end times Bible prophecy. That's February 18th and 19th, this coming Saturday and Sunday. So we do plan to live stream that. I will be sending out an email to the Not By Works uh, constituents uh, as we get closer and work out the details. It'll have a link in it. But, uh, of course, if you can't live stream any of the sessions, uh, we will be recording all of them and posting them to the videos page at Not By Work. So you'll always be able to kind of catch up with those topics there. And then two weeks later, I'm privileged to be a part of the uh, uh, Orlando Prophecy Summit put on by Prophecy Watchers. And what a great honor that is uh, to be interacting with some of these uh, great uh, heroes that, that, uh, of mine that I've followed and watched and read uh, for years, you know, and it's a large enough conference with, I think, 15 speakers, guys like L.A. Marzulli, Mondo Gonzalez, Billy Crone, Tom Hughes, Brandon Holdhouse, Jeff Kinley, Nathan Jones from uh, Lamb and Lion, Bill Salas, Don Perkins, many, many more, uh, that, of course, we're not going to agree on every detail about everything. Uh, theology often makes uh, interesting bedfellows, so to speak. Uh, but what we all do agree on is that the Lord is coming back soon. It's a pre-tribulational return of Christ for the church. And we need to, you know, watch for the signs of the time. So I'm really excited about that. That one as well will be live streamed if you can't make it to Florida. If you do make it to Florida, come by and see us at the Not By Works resource table there in the exhibit hall. And uh, I think my sessions, I have two sessions there. I don't have my titles in front of me. I should have written those down. But uh, uh, I'll be speaking twice. And I'd love for you to come to those sessions and uh, come say hello to us. But otherwise, you can... Uh, check out the link on our website to live stream it. Uh, lots of new material out there. We had our second uh, part two here with Jan Markell, uh, Spirit of the Antichrist Ruling from the Shadows is what she called it. And that was uh, that dropped on Friday. Uh, you can go to our website, watch the video version or listen to the podcast. 
and so thankful to Jan Markell and all she's doing to uh, really, uh, and has been for many years, to awaken people to the soon coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, we did another interview with Prophecy Watchers, this time with Mondo Gonzalez in the studio, and that one was called The Luciferian Agenda. Love Mondo. He's just such a great guy and just so knowledgeable and and uh, really have some, some real kindred spirit with him. And so I encourage you to listen to that interview or watch the video. Uh, one that was audio only was a radio interview I did with Crosspoint and Mark Taylor on the Crosspoint radio show. Uh, that one was uh, February 10th, and that one's also available wherever you listen to podcasts at the Not By Works podcast channel. Uh, my article last week was picked up by Harbinger's Daily again, and uh, it was called The Approaching Storm. Very short. You can read it in probably two to three minutes, but it is a good reminder of the coming day of judgment uh, on evil. And these Luciferians that are trying to depopulate the earth, they are not going to have the last laugh. I uh, always like to mention the Spirit of the Antichrist books. Um, again, Volume 2 has only been out for four months now. But it is uh, just really God is gaining, giving it widespread traction, and we're opening doors right and left. Spiritoftheantichrist.org. That's the website, spiritoftheantichrist.org, if you want to learn more about Volume 1 and Volume 2. I also have two other eschatology books. Um, one's called The Great Last Day's Deception from 2012. One's What Lies Ahead, a biblical overview of the end times. I can't remember what year we published that one, but both of those still in print, and, and, and the What Lies Ahead is used in a few Bible colleges and seminaries as an eschatology text. And it's just a, a good turnkey overview of uh, what the Bible has to say about the end times. If you're interested in some of the charts that I use in, our, in my uh, messages and Bible studies, you might check out our NBW Book of Theological Charts, Diagrams, and Illustrations. It's available both digitally as a PowerPoint and PDF, as well as in a color a print over a hundred of our most requested uh, charts. And then we're now announcing, we're actually just rolling this out on the website now, but since I was doing this uh, message for Prophecy Night, decided to go ahead and mention it to our audience here. We've partnered with Red Pill Prints, uh, dear friends and great to like-minded believers up in Canada uh, that are have rolled out a new Not By Works Ministries merchandise page, and you can link to that on our website. Just go to the notbyworks.org website, scroll through the highlight carousel, and you'll see this slide. All kinds of great uh, products there uh, that uh, you know you can purchase. It helps you advance the message that salvation is not by works. That's what NBW, of course, stands for. Uh, and it helps support Red Pill Prince, and it helps support Not By Works uh, Ministry. So spread the word about that. There's uh, all kinds of clothing. There's uh, cups and water bottles and uh, hats and you know all, all sorts of things there. You can check out the products uh, at the link on our website. So with that, I want to thank you for joining us tonight again. Sorry we were not able to meet in person um, on Tuesday night like we usually do, but uh, watch the emails and announcements so we will play it by ear for next Tuesday. We are likely to do that one remotely as well, but I'm hoping to live stream that one uh, rather than record it ahead of time, but we may have to record it. It's just going to depend on where we are in our travels and how things are going, but uh, we had already planned for next week, the 21st of February, not to have an in-person meeting. Unfortunately, because of the inclement weather this week, uh, it means that, that the net result is two weeks in a row without an in-person meeting. I apologize for that, but it, uh, it couldn't be helped. But Prophecy Night will continue. It just will be remote. So uh, next week, February 21st, to join us remotely or watch the video and stay tuned for 
more information on how you can do that. So thanks again for uh, tuning in. God bless you. Keep us in your prayers as we travel. Pray that the gospel will go forth and that uh, God will be honored as we continue to uh, wake people up to uh, the soon coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless.